Hey there, Bulldogs, and welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Tassel. This is your host, Carla Quintanilla. I am a marketing major at the sales class of 2021, and I am so delighted to be hosting this podcast with the purpose of reconnecting with our alumni and informing current students like you about the endless possibilities beyond college. Prepare to be inspired through the incredible stories of our alumni and learn valuable insights from their career journey. We are here to help you spark your career curiosity and encourage you to begin exploring your future possibilities. Now, without further ado, let's get started with this week's guest. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We are thrilled to present to you our alumnus, Tracy Bingaman. Tracy graduated from the Physician Assistant Program in 2012 and Now she is a multi-passionate mom. She is a PA, a wife, a mom, and a stepmom to five, a podcast host, and a coach. On today's episode, you're going to hear Tracy talking about her experience in the physician assistant field and her role and how that role has looked a little bit differently in terms of responsibilities within different departments in the medical field. She also gives us some tips about how she took care of herself when she was in college and things that she's learned in her career journey to be able to feel more fulfilled. And she will tell us a little bit about her podcast and how she was inspired to help other working moms. And finally, Tracy will share meaningful tips and advice on how to become a successful and fulfilled physician assistant when you graduate. Okay, so we have Tracy Bingaman at on our episode today. We are so happy to have you, Tracy. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, we are so grateful for you and for all of our alumni that have contributed to this podcast. We were just talking about it. We are 12 episodes out now, uh, 12 episodes of, of different alumni coming to us and telling us their story. It's wonderful. That's so great. I am uh, honored to be asked. So thank you for having me. Great. Um, so Tracy, we know a little bit about you from our introduction. We know you graduated from the sales. Um, you graduated from the sales in 2012 is when you completed your PA program. Mm -hmm. uh, so we usually get started there. So let's talk about your experience at the sales. First of all, Tracy, um, how did you learn about the sales? So I actually grew up in Maine, so I wasn't local to Pennsylvania or the Lehigh Valley at all. I, um, When I was about 16, I realized I wanted to become a PA. I had done some job shadowing and had really honed in that I wanted to go into medicine. And I felt like being a PA would be a career that would serve me well in my career and also with some work-life balance, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, so I was searching on a website like collegeboard.com. I was looking for PA schools on the East Coast mm -hmm. and DeSales was near the beginning of the alphabet. And so it was one <laughs> of the first ones that came up because yeah. there are a lot of PA programs on the East Coast and DeSales was towards the beginning of the alphabet and their PA program statistics were amazing. Mm -hmm. I was very impressed by their first time pass rate on the national boards. And they had a lot of other information on their website about that. So 
decided to come and tour the campus. We did a sort of like a college tour of um, various places that I was considering going. And I think at 17, when I was visiting DeSales for the first time, I wasn't as in touch with my intuition or trusting my gut as I am now, but still I walked on campus and I just got a feeling this is where I'm supposed to be. It just felt very safe, very welcoming, very much like home to me, even though it was hundreds of miles from where I grew up. Yeah. And what, um, how, when you got accepted into the PA program, was, did the sales become your first choice eventually? And what, um, how did you make the decision to, to then accept and come here? Yeah. So DeSales was my first choice right along. I had applied to maybe five other schools in um, New England and in the Northeast and DeSales consistently was number one on my list. And I then attended a scholarship day and the program director pulled my parents aside and said, Hey, I have some great news. Tracy qualified for this scholarship, which was going to considerably decrease the tuition at DeSales. And my parents were thrilled about that. But they did something that I felt was very wise as a parent. We're driving home. There's this eight-hour drive, 10-hour drive to Maine. And we went through and they really made me think about the other schools and, and determine that DeSales was my first choice, not because of the price tag, not because of the scholarship. And then once I had said like, yes, DeSales is where I want to attend, then they said, great, because you got this great package there, which is going to really bring down the cost. And that was such a blessing to me. And in setting up my future financially, it was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, sometimes um, for some people, it is um, a factor that plays into making their decisions. But I think that that that's, you know, you're very lucky that that it was more about I want to say it sounds like the culture of the sales Mm -hmm. that drove you to to come here and um, uh, you know, I think the sales has a wonderful community of a uh, family community. We're a small school. Uh, we're able to build relationships with our professors a lot more intimately than perhaps mm-hmm. bigger programs. And and the and the program itself has a wonderful reputation in general. Absolutely. Um, for anyone that's listening that perhaps hasn't chosen their major and is thinking about the PA program, could you tell us a little bit about what drove you to pursue the physician assistant program at the sales? I believe you started um, at the medical studies and then you, mm-hmm. you did that extra year. Um, so tell us a little bit about what drove you to continue. I know you mentioned, um, you know, helping others at mm-hmm. the beginning, but anything else that you'd like to say to encourage those people to maybe make a decision or something to think about? Yeah. So the thing that I have loved both being a participant in the PA program at DeSales and in keeping in touch with them, I have several dear friends who are now professors in the PA department and they are doing such great, interesting, innovative things with teaching where they are doing things to mimic what it's going to be like to practice in medicine, where they have simulation labs and they're doing things where the students are taking 10 medications a day for a week to see what it feels like for the patient to be juggling those things and how that might be challenging as a patient who is maybe aging or having just this real great community outreach. And so 
I was, I think I came to the DeSales PA program because I was very impressed by the statistics, but I continue to be so proud to be a DeSales grad because the people that are graduating from the PA program are a cut above. And you can tell, I will sometimes meet people and have a really positive interaction with them. And I will have surgeons say to me, did you go to DeSales? Like they, it's like the, the reputation precedes it, especially around the Lehigh Valley. It is known as a program that is consistently training people well to practice medicine in, in various different fields. And it's, it's such a wonderful, wonderful program. And it just continues to grow and get better year after year. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny that you say that it is true. I've noticed, I usually ask, um, my position where I ask, um, you know, the nurses where they went to school. Um, mm-hmm. I've never come across a sales uh, graduate, but that, you know, I'll have to keep, keep finding them yeah. so that we can interview them again. Yeah, right. <laughs> Moving on to the next question, I'd love to ask you, aside from your stor- studies in the physician assistant program, um, what are some of the most valuable skills that you learned during your your stay here at the sales that have helped you in your career? So, you know, we're not talking technical studies. We're not talking like actual theory, but any other skills that you've curated through your college journey that helped you uh, in that journey of finding your path within the medical studies, within the field? Yeah. So I think that two things come to mind when you ask me that. The first is really being intentional about how I manage my time and protecting and prioritizing what is important in taking care of myself. Mm. Um, Much easier in college as a single person than as a working mom of five, for sure. But to set about the understanding what my body needed, what I needed to be healthy and that I'm going to show up best for my family and for my patients when I am doing those things to take care of myself. And then the second thing would be the importance of being in relationship with really good people. So I have still to this day, some of my dearest friends are people who I was roommates with or in the program with, or sat next to chemistry in chemistry class. And not necessarily like in romantic relationship, but rather just doing life with people who get you and support you and are there to back you up. That is so, so important. And I love the community at DeSales that really fosters that closeness with your classmates and friends. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful place. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Personally, I've seen a lot more camaraderie now during COVID than I have Interesting. past. I don't know if it's because we're all collectively going through all this massive change mm. and adjustment of going online, but to the point that now we have um, these super active group chats on Snapchat and mm. on um, on Slack. We use Slack for a career development now that we can't all be in the office. And it's built this, commu- you know, again, this networking community of constantly being there for each other. Um, and again, I think it's, it's very much a, a small school thing, something that the sales has contributed to um, that, that building that relationship and the importance of that, which again, goes a long way 
um, at least for for students right now, for us, it's literally like, you know, is the test going to be online? Do I have to be, you know, in person with my mask on? Or, you know, was uh, is the teacher going to be in person or are we all going to go through Zoom? Little things that make a big difference in our um, educational journey right now. Mm-hmm. Huge support. Now, Tracy, I'd love to expand a little bit on um what you said about taking care of yourself and being self-aware. I think that's very important um, for students um, right now and in general. Uh, how, and do you remember when you were back in college, ways that you um, took care of yourself? There's a lot of stress um, with, with tests. There's a lot of stress with, um, you know, building up your experience and resumes and doing your clinicals and doing your practices to be able to then get a job. But how did you, if you remember, if you recall, um, how did you take that moment for yourself when you were in college? Yeah, so I was a high school athlete. I did play tennis also at DeSales. And so exercise is something that was always very important to me. And so even when I was in PA school, even as an undergrad, I prioritized getting to the gym, moving my body. And it wasn't always this amazing workout that was the most intense it could have been. Sometimes it was the Stairmaster with a literal packet of notes because I just felt like I couldn't not study and then exercise, which in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have been studying while I was working out. But to take that time to really say like, I know I'm going to feel better and more focused in class if I do this. And I'm a morning person. So I was always a morning workout person. So I would have... A girlfriend and I would go to the gym, both in undergrad and in the graduate program, and just prioritizing that, eating well, and then also leaving white space in your calendar or creating time where you say, I'm not going to study on Friday night from seven to 10. I'm going to do something else because a lot of studies have shown that we're actually more productive when we take a break and do something that makes us feel happy or less, you know, kind of unplugging from that deadline and that study, study, study mentality. And so I find, I found that doing that not every night, not all the time, but for specific chunks of time were helpful that my studying was then more productive. Um, And I knew, okay, if I want to take this break on Friday, I have to study on Thursday. I have to get ready beforehand. And so that helped me to really buckle down and focus when I needed to, but also take that break when I could. Yeah, it is so essential to keep that balance and productivity. Sometimes, you know, we spend more time um, studying and like, and getting distracted in that in that designated time then then having again that productive designated time to do Mm -hmm. this next two hours fully study I call it power hours for me Mm -hmm. my power hours are an hour of studying and then you know relax or an hour of like literally getting everything done I've used the Pomodoro technique I don't know if you've heard of it no the Pomodoro technique, and I want to mention it in case anyone listening, any student or anyone that hasn't heard of it, I think it's really productive. It's 25 minutes of, of pure, no distraction work, uh, so problem solving, perhaps you really need to get that like form memo done or, or assignment, then five minutes of rest of looking at your phone, getting up, going to the bathroom, then back 25 minutes of intense thing. And, and again, if you do that for four times, that's an hour, um, you have a little bit of a mental break, but then you get as much as you can done. Um, I've used it a lot in writing. When I write essays, when I write um, anything, it helps a lot for me to mentally focus. Yeah, I think that's a great strategy. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, um, moving on, Tracy, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how um, you have fulfilled your role um, as a PA beyond college? Um, tell us about, you know, in case there's anyone pursuing the PA program, right? And I'm sure there's, again, I'm a, I'm a business major. I'm going to be fully honest. I, I'm not very okay. sure of um, the, the industry or the field and, and different ways you can go after you graduate. So can you give us uh, your journey and things that you've done to fulfill that, um, that degree and in, in that, in that role as a, a physician assistant? Absolutely. So after I graduated, my first job out of school was in general surgery. I was a jack of all trades. We were doing everything from uh, lung resections to hernia surgery, gallbladder surgery, taking out colons, doing breast cancer cases. It was at a small community hospital, which for me was a super great position as a new graduate because there were no medical students, residents, no one between the surgeon and me. So my surgeon was operating I was his right-hand woman as the case was, and I did all of the surgeries with him. I got to learn a lot of really great technical skills, and that is knowledge and skills that I take with me still today and use in my current position. I was there for about three years. During that time, I got married, and then we bought a house, moved, and I wanted to get closer to home, so... I took a position also in general surgery at a big network in the Lehigh Valley where I stayed then for the next five years. I did five and a half years. I did about three years in general surgery. And then I was looking to expand my knowledge and try a new specialty. So I transitioned from general surgery to inpatient, which means hospital-based urology surgery. I was doing inpatient rounding on a big census of urology patients who were acutely ill such that they were either needing surgery um, after surgery or sick with some other urologic complaint. And so I was rounding on them at the hospital. And then two days a week, I was doing major robotic surgery. So that position allowed me to get trained on the Da Vinci robot and really expand my skill set and be able to work with the robot. So when you do sort of normal surgery, the surgeon stands on one side of the table, the first assistant stands on the other side of the table, you operate together, kind of back and forth. With the robot, you both scrub to the table, get everything ready, get the robot positioned, and then the surgeon breaks scrub and goes to the corner of the room, operates the robot with a console. They're not scrubbed. And as the first assistant, you're exchanging instruments and passing sutures, troubleshooting the robot if there's a problem. And if there's an emergency, you're there and then you're waiting for them to scrub in. So it is, it was definitely higher acuity and it was a really great addition to my tool belt of skills. So um, loved that position. I actually just left that position in the fall uh, to pursue a new job in the office as a plastic surgery PA. So I've done general uh, two different places. I did urology surgery where I learned the robot and then I transitioned into plastic surgery where I'm now doing post-operative care of plastics patients, um, Botox fillers, facial aesthetics. It is way different than prostates and kidneys. And I love that ability to transition. So 
It's been great. It's, and each thing has built upon the next. And as a PA, you never have to go back to school and get more training. You can transition from one specialty to another. I stayed in surgery the whole time, but you don't have to do that. You could go from surgery to medicine or from medicine to some other specialty. And so with each stage of my career, I have learned something, taken it with me, and then been able to say, I want to acquire these skills. I want my life to look like this and to change into a specialty that allows that to happen, which has really been a blessing. Yeah. I didn't know that about, um, that role. And I think it's, yeah, like you said, it's very, uh, beneficial because you're, mm-hmm. you're building your skill set and kind of shaping your career as you see fit. And, and, mm-hmm. and there's no binding to going back to school or anything like that. Yep. Um, um, I was looking at your resume. I was stalking you a little bit on your <laughs> LinkedIn, not on your resume. Um, and I saw you also had, um, and I think you mentioned it briefly, the, the freelance position I saw. I'm curious to know um, how, how did you, uh, how did you come about that position and, and why, why, sorry, what made you decide um, to be a freelancer? Sure. So I, And this is like an interesting networking story. So if you're listening and you're thinking you don't have a network, you do have a network. You just might not realize it. So the surgeon who I was an independent contractor for, um, his kids and my kids go to the same daycare. And we both were dropping off at the same time each and every morning. So this is a surgeon I was familiar with, like knew of in the network. And we were there every day. Hey, good morning, Dr. So-and-so. Good morning. Like I would see him dropping off his kids and I would be there with mine. And that was years. That was happening for years. And then one day in the recovery room where patients wake up from anesthesia, he said to me, do you know how much a plastic surgery PA makes who's covering call. And I said, not off the top of my head, but there's a salary survey that I could get you data from. I could email you some numbers. Why don't you give me your email and I'll send you the stuff. And I'm working, like I'm calling, I'm doing things. <laughs> yeah. And then, I, and then I thought about it for a second. He's like writing down his email and I'm, and I said, wait a minute, you want to hire a plastic surgery PA to cover your ER call? And he said, yeah. Um, And I said, well, I'll send you some numbers, but I'll also send you my CV because I would love to do that. And he's like, no way. And I said, yeah, that would be something I'd definitely be interested in. It would expand my skills. And so I said, yes. And I, I worked it out so that it didn't conflict with my normal day job or the call that I was taking with urology. And so that was a year ago. So I covered his call for a year. And in that time we got to work together. So I would say, Hey, I did this. It went well, or what would you do for this facial laceration? So we had a dialogue going back and forth. And then when I was thinking about leaving my position with urology, he was one of my first phone calls. So I said, Hey, I'm looking to leave, you know, what's the status at your place? Would you ever consider hire someone full-time, you know, more significantly. And so I took a relationship where I had built rapport and someone knew me and was familiar with my work. And I said, Hey, can we make a spot at your office where this is something that would work? And he said, yes, we're looking to hire someone. And I now work in his office full-time. 
Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You never know. Uh, somebody you see daily, you never know if, you know, who you're going to end up working for, who's going to end up working for you. That's fantastic. Now, let me ask you, Tracy, because I, I think it's important for people to know or have an idea, right? In this field, when you took that position as a freelance and, and doing the calls and you were working that urology, how long were you working a week? And yeah, so the call, so I was very clear in asking about that. So when I was considering taking that position, I asked that surgeon, how many times a week are you getting called? How often are you coming in? Because yeah. we structured it, I was working for my day job, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. And then he was on call a week at a time. So for seven days in a row, I would cover him 5 p.m. to 7 a.m. So I would kind of finish working and take over the pager, start call and be call on call overnight. The volumes were such that I could do it because it was a handful of calls a week and going into the hospital two times a week to fix lacerations. And if it happened during normal business, he was going to take care of it because I was obligated to do my day job during the time. So it wasn't a big time commitment. It was more being available and working my schedule so that I could make sure my husband was home with the kids if I had to run to the ER or whatever. So there were definitely, my husband and I sat down, we looked at the logistics. We said, this is how much it's going to be. You know, this is what it, the time commitment would be like. It would be, you know, 12 weeks a year. So once a month that I would be doing this one week at a stretch, which was a pretty significant commitment. Yeah. And it was also not to make it sound like it was manipulative, but it was definitely a strategic move. So this was right. a surgeon that I knew and respected. And if I looked around the Lehigh Valley, I'd say, oh, that's someone I would want to be working with. And so I really worked hard to make that opportunity work for me so that other opportunities might come of it down the road. Not, you know, it, there was no promise or guarantee of a full-time position in the future, but just establishing I'm reliable, I'm easy to work with, I'm good to communicate with, and sort of setting that precedent and showing up well in the little things that made it so that mm -hmm. when a bigger opportunity came along, I was well poised to take it if I wanted and the timing just worked out. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Good. That's so good for you. And I'm glad. And you know, this reminds me of, and I want to bring it back to, I guess, the experience in college. One way to do that, right? We have some people work and some people, you know, they're, they, they're working and they're taking school. But um, sometimes that those internships or those volunteer opportunities is a good way to connect with somebody you might want to work for. And, mm -hmm. and like you did, right, build that, that rapport and collateral and experience because um, it's again, it's something that, that you're learning from and, and it might benefit you in the future. So anyone listening and you, you can start thinking about those things, how can you expand your horizons and see, you know, um, try to find the strategic opportunity mm -hmm. that might lend you to that future job that you might like. Um, so anyways, um, I want to talk about your, your podcast, Tracy, you are a, hey. uh, <laughs> a podcast host yourself. You're the second person. I, I think I love podcasts. It's a wonderful platform nowadays to, to learn from others in, in such a casual, but also very vulnerable, intimate mm -hmm. level. Um, and 
we had Julian Gateau. He graduated in 2018. He has a podcast and he interviews people as well to um, inspire. It's it's kind of um, more geared towards entertainment, but mm-hmm. you have a very, uh, very uh, niche group. And I think it's wonderful. Your podcast is fulfilled, mm-hmm. right, by title. And you are... Um, you are aspiring working moms and inspiring others to to find the fulfillment in in their lady lives as working moms and yes. in, in their careers. Um, and I think that's awesome. And I think it's very fitting to what we're talking about because it's very personal to you. Now, um, my question to you is, at what point in your career uh, did you realize that fulfillment was more important than success? That's something that you define very clearly on your fulfilled podcast. But I want to know what was the timeline for you? I mean, um, was there a click point where you're like, wait a minute, you looked at your life at the big picture and realized that? I don't know if it was a click moment, like a light switch so much as it was this dimmer switch over time. So when I first was a new graduate right out of the gate. I was willing to trade all of my time for money, all of my time for opportunity and experience. And I really leaned into that role and I was striving and pushing and I was working and doing extra call and doing all the things that I thought, oh, this was, this will make me a great employee. This will make me a linchpin, irreplaceable. And I do think those things have served me well, but there was this shift when I have two stepsons who are now teenagers. And then my oldest that I grew myself is about to turn six. And so I had gotten a new job while I was pregnant with him. So I was working, I was doing 12 hour shifts on the weekends to help pay for maternity leave because I was only going to have two days of paid time off when he was born. And I wanted to take 12 weeks off to be home with my new baby. And so saving, 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 working, 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 we had him and we were working really hard to hit some financial goals. And so I continued to really lean in and, you know, trying to juggle baby at home and work. And then there was this point, I think around the time that my second son was born, that I realized I was no longer willing to trade all of my time for money or for opportunity or for that kind of thing, because I wanted to spend my time at home with my family and being present and investing in them. And I went from, I want to trade all of my time for all the money to I'm willing to pay to outsource all the things so that I can actually be present with my kids. And for me, that's looked like grocery delivery and someone to come and clean our house. And so that I can be mom and wife and woman and all of those things at home that I'm on call less and that I'm more present here at home. And so I, in defining success, so success is things like accolades, awards, money, status, external measures, and signs of wealth and achievement. And fulfillment is when someone uses their skills and abilities to their fullest extent and really leans into their development of their character. It's much more internal and personal where success is a much more external measure of whether you're making it or doing it or doing the right things. And so I realized that 
even if society thought, oh, she's not as successful, that I would be fulfilled if I was showing up as a great mom, using my skills and abilities at work. And for me, that looked like making a big change from an inpatient to an outpatient setting, making a big change from a job that was asking me to work 60 hours a week and be on call overnight on repeat to a job that I work four days a week in the office with a set schedule and I'm home for dinner every night. And that shift has been truly life-changing. It has made me a more sane and healthy human being. It has gotten me home to my kids. It has given me this ability to show up on the internet and build a platform, encouraging other moms and interviewing other people on my podcast. And those things were happening anyway, but so, so slowly. And at like four in the morning, because that's when I had time to do it. Now I have a whole day off a week that I can do five podcast interviews or take my kids skiing because those things are both important to me and I have time to do them. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that time is ultimately one of the most valuable things that we can have? Yes. Yes. Like time is my currency now. Like it used to be, (laughs) you know, money and like the next career move. And now it is quality time with my family is more important than any dollar amount. I love that you say that. And I, I think that it's, again, very important to realize that um, we're going to get to that point eventually um, as students. And, and it's important to evaluate those things and see what's, what's your strategy to keep yourself, yourself sane, to keep yourself fulfilled um, and have some measure of success as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can do both. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, well, Tracy, then can you tell us about what is the most fulfilling part about your life right now um, that's going on in this moment? So is it a podcast? Um, I know you mentioned, you you already mentioned a lot of, a whole lot of things, but uh, is there anything specific that you're like, yeah, this is, you know, something I'm proud of. I'm very happy that I'm doing. Absolutely. The podcast I'm super proud of. I love doing it and it is an opportunity to learn from my dearest friends, experts in the field, so many people. Still, I think the most fulfilling part of my day job is this relationship that I get to develop with my patients. And so to step into that role as their provider and also someone who they're trusting to say, hey, I don't love this about my face or I wish that I looked a different way, you know, essentially by I'm working with them to highlight the beauty that already exists in their faces and to make them feel more confident. And Mm -hmm. the majority of my patients are women. Mm -hmm. And I truly deeply in my heart of hearts believe the world needs more confident, empowered women and that confident, empowered women, they changed the world. And so the ability to both inspire with my podcast and also to use my hands and my surgical training for something that is making people feel better about themselves, more confident to raise their hand and stand up in meetings and really step into the person that God made them to be is it's an honor. It's so wonderful. I'm so thankful for all of my patients and for them sharing their lives with me. Awesome. Yeah, that's so awesome. I I never thought 
you know, there, there is so much purpose in what we do sometimes. And it, sometimes we leave it at the door of the job, but sometimes it has a tremendous impact on, on ourselves and, and in the, the pride of what we do. So it sounds like that's what you are. You're very confident about what you do for others. And yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, look good, feel good, do absolutely. good. Yeah. I think it's a motto that carries on uh, very much for, for a lot of people. And that confidence is so essential, especially for women. Um, I'm curious to know, speaking of women and speaking about your podcast a little bit, um, what encouraged you to, to broadcast, right? Like your story, your, your thought and voice in, in this matter about being a working mom and, and working towards fulfillment. Did you see anyone that you worked with, uh, that had the same type of struggle or you just, you know, in general, it, it is something that you know, women go through between being a mom and having a career? Yeah. So I think that I, I went through a period where I was really struggling to make it all work and everyone thought I was fine. Everyone thought I was doing great. I was still showing up. I was still at work getting it done. I was still at home taking care of the kids, but I felt like I was drowning and I was absolutely suffering from burnout at work. And I was absolutely suffering from burnout as a mom. Mm -hmm. And because of those two things, I truly was a shell of who I wanted to be. And I wasn't showing up as the person I wanted to be in this world. And so as I figured out how to step into myself, as I figured out how to prioritize taking care of myself, making changes that were necessary so that I could be present for myself and be present for my family. I knew that I was not the only one that was feeling that way. I knew there were other moms out there that were looking around saying, everyone else seems to have it all together, but I'm drowning. And I'm the only one who's walking through postpartum depression and overwhelm and burnout and miscarriage and loss and all of these things. And I wanted to share my story for the purposes of not saying, look at me, this is what I am doing and everyone should do it this way, but rather to say to other people who are walking through a difficult season, you are not alone. You are not alone. Things will get better. Things are hard. Life is difficult. But here are examples of things that helped me and teachers that could share something that might help you. And also just this sense of community and inspiration where I get this great honor of speaking into people's lives and hopefully meeting them where they are. And it's not all super heavy topics. I did a podcast this month on how to break up with technology on how to put down your phone and cut down your screen time because I realized I was spending way too much time on my phone. And so sometimes I think we teach the things that we need to learn the most. And so I'm stumbling my way through this life, just like all the other people in the world. And I'm sharing the failures and the successes with this community that I'm building. And it's, it's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I bet it's it's also really fun for for you to unwind and, and just speak your beliefs and and make impacts for others. I think that's the beauty of podcasting Um, and it's such an easy way to do it. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. We just record and, and keep talking and, and, and speak our voice. That's wonderful. Good. Awesome. Um, okay. So, so wrapping up a little bit about um, on our conversation here about 
you as an alumni of the sales university uh, i would love to know this is the question that we always ask and and every time i think there's a, co a correlation of, of values and and um and what people uh would tell themselves back if they were back in college so if you were looking at tracy back in in her senior year of of, of her pa or even just mm -hmm. any anything that she went through what is something that that you would tell her what is like the biggest advice that you would tell her um knowing where you are now yeah so i think i would say keep going everything's going to be fine <laughs> um success isn't what you think it is but keep striving for it anyway and then I think probably the third and most powerful thing for me particularly would be when you're getting worked up or upset about something that someone else said or did and how it made you feel and how you're slighted or offended or you just feel paralyzed by other people's opinions, mm -hmm. I would say to do two things. Ask yourself will this matter in five years as you're getting all bent out of shape about this perceived or real slight, whatever it was that happened, will it matter in five years? Yeah. And if it's negative or it's making you spiral into negativity in your own mind, is it true? And ask yourself for examples or evidence of whether it's true or whether it's untrue. So if someone said something to you, direct or indirect that insinuated that you're a bad friend and you're in your mind saying, I'm a terrible friend. Oh my gosh. Like who would ever want to be friends with me? I'm just the worst. Stop your negativity and look for examples of whether or not you are in fact a terrible friend. And you're either going to find that you're an amazing friend who is a human being who made one mistake, or maybe yeah. you're not a great friend and you realize that that's an area for improvement, but either way, you're going to prove or disprove that thought and then go forward with, I'm a great friend who had a bad day and carry on. Or, wow, I think if I were my own friend, I would want to show up differently. And then how can I do that going forward instead of this, the worst, the worst, the worst, all of this negative narrative to stop that negativity and decide if it's an area for improvement or a fluke and then just keep going. Yeah, absolutely. I I resonate with what you just said. Um, after going through a period of, of of me thinking, like, am I the you know being affected by what other people think, and, and it takes a toll on your confidence, right? And it takes mm -hmm. a toll on defining who you are. But that self awareness is so um, key to to understanding your growth, your own growth. Nobody, it's up to us, right? Our personal selves to to continue to grow and and be aware about what we want and who we want to become. So thank you for sharing that. I think that is again, very personal, very much something a lot of us are going through as young adults that mm -hmm. are going through so much change constantly, who are going through so much growth and, and decision-making. And I know it only gets tougher. So I think it's important to build that one, self-awareness mm -hmm. and emotional resilience. I, that's the new thing that I've been really focusing on is emotionally, how can I turn that uh, pain into power or that mm -hmm. you know, goodness into providing for others uh, and servicing. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing that wonderful advice. I really hope anyone that's listening that might be going through that uh, self-doubt that they benefit from.
from knowing that in five years, your reality will be so much different. Yeah. And those little things will not matter. Mm-hmm. Well, Tracy, it's been wonderful talking to you. I am very happy that we finally got to reconnect again. Uh, and I wish you the best of luck with your new uh, journey with uh, plastic surgery and being Thank a you. PA in plastic surgery with your with your is is the person that you met your boss now the the person that you used to yep yeah he's a senior partner at the practice that I'm at Mm -hmm. yeah so best of luck best of luck with you and your husband and your kids and your podcast um and I hope that yeah we'll we'll keep seeing more of you as time goes thank you so much and congratulations on this platform and what you are building here I think it is so important and so cool to share stories of alums and I hope that someone gains some wisdom from our conversation I'm so honored to have been asked so thank you thank you of course thank you Tracy Thank you once again for tuning in to today's episode of Beyond the Tassel. It is our pride to present the success stories of our DeSales alumni via a podcast. If you are a DeSales alumni and would like to become a TSU mentor, you can contact melanie.valone at desales.edu. And if you are currently a DeSales student and would like to connect with an alumni in your field, you can contact kathy.kraus at desales.edu. Until next time, Bulldogs.